Welcome to the podcast, everyone. I'm Chad Norman, Internet Marketing Manager here at BlackBot and your host for this nonprofit technology podcast. This is episode 19 for November 13th, 2008. Now that the presidential election is over, I thought we should look at the lessons nonprofits can learn from the campaigns, particularly the extremely wired campaign of President-elect Barack Obama. Both campaigns use social media to connect people and create movements, and the tactics and technology deployed can certainly be applied by many nonprofits. I would like to point out that while we'll be talking about the campaigns today, this show, BlackBot, and the organizations represented by our panelists do not endorse either candidate. This is definitely a nonpartisan discussion about the social media technology and tactics used during the 2008 presidential campaigns and what nonprofits can learn from them. Before we get into the social media goodness, let's introduce today's semi-huge panel. We did lose a couple people prior <laughs> to the show. But uh, starting off, we have Steve McLaughlin, Director of Internet Solutions. Welcome He's back. huge. Hey, Chad. He's definitely here. And I endorse this, this podcast. Yes. <laughs> there were no politicians harmed in the recording of this podcast. <laughs> yes. So you can find Steve at blackbot.com slash connections and twitter.com slash McLaughlin. Joining us again, it's been a while, is Allison Van Dies, the Blackbot Interactive Marketing Manager. Yes, off the road for, for a few weeks anyway. Yes, welcome back to the show, Allison. Thank you. You can find her at uh, blackbot.com slash netwits or twitter.com slash Allison Van Dies. Coming back to us for the fourth, maybe fifth time, is Danielle Brigida, the Associate Operations Coordinator at the National Wildlife Federation. Welcome back, Danielle. I'm always glad to be here. Yes, you are. We love having you on the show. Um, you can find I, I sign on even if I'm not invited. Um, <laughs> well, I'm hoping, yeah, eventually we'll build up such a uh, kind of thing here where we'll just start calling you guys even if you're not on the show. But anyway, you can find Danielle at uh, nwf.org or twitter.com slash starfocus. And back for the second time is the famous Holly Ross, the executive director of the Nonprofit Technology Network. Welcome back, Holly. Thanks for calling me famous. Yes, well, you know, you are. <laughs> Thanks for joining us from Portland. How is it out there? Uh, we saw the sun today, so it's success already. Uh, <laughs> you can uh, keep up with Holly's fine work at n10.org or follow her at twitter.com slash n10hross. All right, so let's just move right into the show. We um, could probably talk about two hours on this topic. There was a lot of social media stuff going on in the election cycle this year. Um, so I thought we should start at just the beginning maybe with the campaign websites, johnmccain.com and barackobama.com. Both sites were sort of the hub of their respective campaign's online activity, and they implemented lots of tools that we see nonprofits using to connect with their audiences. Just as an open question to the panel, um, what were some of the features that really stood out to you about their actual websites and how they uh, reached out to their audience? Well, I liked how you could, they, you know, right up front they ask you to subscribe and no, don't just assume that you've found your way there as an active supporter that's already plugged into all the information channels. They both made appeals right on the homepage of ways for you to get even more involved. Well, you got a good point. I mean, looking at the, you know, uh, johnmccain.com right now, I mean, I, the entire right sidebar is uh, join the team, right? Mm -hmm. There was a huge focus on the acquisition side. We always talk about there's acquisition and there's cultivation. Every one of these sites, right. first and foremost, started out with, a clear acquisition strategy. I go to the home page, sign up to get more news. I go to a splash page. I'm getting those kinds of things. I, once I sign up for email, there's constant acquisition type of activities taking place. And then once they've got you into that that circle, then they're messaging you. They're sending you a lot of type of stuff out. But definitely, they did not miss the boat on, on getting people acquired to start with. Mm -hmm. 
Um, one lesson I think that would be a takeaway for any other type of organization was the they repurposed every bit of content that you saw in other places on their website. And I always find that to be effective because, you know, you never know when a commercial is going to interest a, a follower who then might say, hey, go check out their website. Maybe it's there. You can watch it there. And then that person sends it to the next, et cetera. I think you want to always, as much as possible, use content from your other mediums on your website so that it all kind of ties together in a nifty package for people that are trying to find out more. And I want to go back to the acquisition thing for just one second because I think that what's really interesting about that to me is that a lot of times, you know, I'll be talking to organizations who are like, who are, you know, thinking about, well, because everyone wants to use their website, right? And um, what they, when they're talking about doing redesigns, they'll say to us, well, you know, we have 27 different audiences, so what we need to do is create 27 different pathways for people to, you know, connect with our organization and follow through with what we want them to do. And it, I just had this epiphany a couple of years ago. I was like, you know, no, actually, you may have 27 different audiences, but you want them all to do the same thing, which is give, them your, give you their email address. Like, that's the goal. That's the only thing you care about on your website. That's the goal. And the rest of it has to follow. And, and that's exactly what both these sites do, which I think is really, uh, as I think Steve was saying, it's really important. Yeah, I was trying to find some numbers on, on their sites, you know, some data as far as subscribers. Now, I did find some, some data around my.barackobama.com, which was sort of their you know, user portal, um, where they did have, you know, he got 35,000 local organizing groups hosted over 200,000 events. And, uh, I mean, these kind of numbers are staggering. If we're talking about acquisition, I mean, is, is, that, is that all they were trying to do here? I mean, clearly they were trying to do more than just get a list, right? Well, it starts with getting a list. That's the first way that you can then go and, and have all these other communications at this type of level. You couldn't cost-effectively mail, or certainly you couldn't in the time parameters that were available for the, the end of the election, mail people or call people to accomplish this. It had to be done via email or, or on the Internet. And so, yeah, it sort of was all about acquisition, and they could sort of mm-hmm. sort out who they want to cultivate to become major donors or participants in the party later. Now, do you think using the Internet, was the, the drive behind it was to because it was the best way to acquire people or because it was actually the best way to acquire people cheaply? And then be able to communicate the, right. with them over and over, yeah. But it's also another way to acquire people, right? I think the the thing that that came to mind most watching all this stuff was it was the first really good combination of both reach and action, right? Reach is traditional channels, radio, TV, telephone, and then reach also extending to all the web stuff, Facebook, MySpace, YouTube, Twitter. The key difference being lots of people do reach, right? Spend a lot of money on the reach stuff. What they were missing was the action piece. And I think that's what most of the campaigns did really well, which is it wasn't just having the Facebook page for the sake of having the Facebook page. It's driving some type of action now that you've engaged by by reaching out with them. And that's that's how they drove people to go to an online site to find out about an offline event that was taking place in their area. And I think that's one of the huge lessons that nonprofits can pick up from all this is this stuff works, mm-hmm. but you have to combine both reach and action. If you just think, I've got a profile, I'm on Twitter, big deal. People right. aren't just going to necessarily start showing up at stuff. They're not going to start giving. You've got to put those actions in front of them. And certainly I think certain actions work better online and certain actions work better offline, right? You know, uh, calling someone drives a different type of action than sending an email to someone or text messaging who your vice presidential candidate is going to be, you know, different things happen. At the reach and action thing, the reason it worked is because they're trying to reach the right audience, these tools, right? I mean, mm-hmm. what Obama got like 66% of the youth vote, right? And these strategies were intentionally employed to activate and motivate that 
population. Mm-hmm. It won't work for every nonprofit, but it will work for any nonprofit that really wants to reach, you know, that who knows what audience they want to reach and knows their audience is there with these tools. I mean, on the online media, like social media side of things, the Obama campaign really knew what they were doing, but they even knew what they were doing with email strategy too. I mean, if you, I don't know if you guys signed up for the emails, but NWF actually mm-hmm. signed up for a number of them to see the frequency and, you know, their techniques. And it was interesting because people were emailing on behalf of Barack a lot. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And you were also getting emails from him. And so you would open your email not really knowing who it was coming from. And it was, you know, recyclers for Obama right. or, you know. So, I mean, they had really good strategy on that end, too. And, you know, I have to appreciate the email marketing that they did. And then also, you're right. I mean, they were engaging people on in the right ways. And they were also syndicating. You know, I, I noticed that I would dig something and it would somehow end up on somebody else's My Barack Obama page. And, you know, so they were they were pulling information in from the outside, too. And so it was... Well, essentially, when you brought up the email, I mean, I, I, Alice and I were talking about this earlier. I, I almost felt like I was getting too much. But at the same time, in the way you said it, it was coming from multiple people, and it always had very timely and, and different subjects. It was almost like a Twitter feed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it was, yeah. it was almost that much, you know, email. And, and I certainly don't know if that's a lesson that, that nonprofits can look at. I mean, certainly there's you can send too much email, right, Alice? Well, yeah, you can definitely send too much email. But I think that they were very careful with the way they spread out the voice and didn't just sort of clobber you with one person over and over in case maybe you didn't resonate True. with that person. You know, there were emails from Michelle Obama. There were emails from, you know, the DNC, from various organizations that had partnered with the My Barack Obama um, site. But um, two takeaways that I think any nonprofit can and should um, use as best practices from these this, this email marketing triumph, I guess you could say, would be um, first, how actionable the emails were when they wanted you to take action. One that stuck out in my mind in particular was when they were contacting me to participate in a phone bank. And it wasn't just like, hey, sure would love for you to do this. If you clicked, it got you directly to a location. It got you directly, in some cases, to pop-ups where you could start making phone calls three minutes later. Now, that type of technology isn't going to be available to every nonprofit, of course, and that may not even be what they're trying to accomplish. But the point is, if you get somebody to click, make it as simple as possible to fulfill whatever the action was that you wanted them to fulfill with this, you know, few hurdles in between. And the other thing that they did so magnificently was the stewardship. I was blown away that I got a email from Barack Obama before he was on television, basically, like from the moment they Mm -hmm. called the race, there was that thank you so much for the impact you had. I mean, that's stewardship right there in a nutshell. Let the people that were responsible for your triumph, whatever it was, surpassing your goal, helping certain people, let them know first that they did it and they made it possible. And, oh, my gosh, that's so motivating to make you want to participate again. I think, honestly, that's a big difference in both campaigns is that, and I think it's reflected in their use of social media, is that the Obama campaign was very we, we, we oriented and the King campaign was very I will, I will, I will, mm-hmm. instead of, you know, we will, we will, we will. Um, and I think that is, that's a big part of, you know, making social work is recognizing that you're a part of a community and you do things together as a community that it's not driven by, you know, individual superstar actors uh, as much. It's a little flatter 
I wonder if that's what helped people continue to contribute and to be supportive is that they saw the numbers. I mean, when you when you look at like Facebook and you see 2.3 million supporters on Facebook and, you know, McCain had 620,000. I mean, you sort of see this group swell and you're, and you're more willing to like participate and get involved and, and join the cause. Well, the numbers help and also the fact that it said donate now on that thank you message. When you, <laughs> you know, they they yeah. certainly weren't shy about reminding you how much they needed that. So you brought up too like organizing volunteers. That was a, when you're reading up on before the show, I read a little bit about um, sort of how Barack used um, Wiki to organize volunteers, and I think that's something nonprofits could definitely do. I mean, it's always a challenge to get people involved, and is this sort of the thing where we can look at these technologies used, and if they're put in nonprofits' hands, like Wikis, are, are nonprofits ready for that, to like use those kind of tools to, to organize? I mean, I know what, what we've done at like We Are Media, uh, obviously, is Wiki, but that's obviously a, sort of a tech-slanted group. I mean, is that is mm-hmm. the is the mainstream ready for stuff like that? The thing about political no. campaigns is that <laughs> it, it accelerates the use of all this stuff. So I think what you find is whenever you know, if you go back four years to the Dean campaign, you know, it accelerated the use of the internet. People have spent the last four years copying all that stuff. Right. We'll spend the next four years copying all the things that the campaign's done. That's that's a common pattern in, in history. If you go back and look at like you know. Nixon-Kennedy debates, those are the first debates on TV. People who listened to the radio thought Nixon won. People who watched television thought Kennedy won. Okay. I think we know how that turned out. Right. Um, so this is a common pattern that happens all over, and it accelerates because people are passionate. There's money and financing behind it. It's driving towards a clear end date. You know, the election is the election date. Um, it's sort of this campaign can't drag out in, in perpetuity. So I think it accelerates the usage. You figure out very quickly what works and what doesn't work. And I think the smart nonprofits, we're already keeping an eye on this stuff, and there'll be some early adopters that'll go and say, I like what they did around email, or I like what they did around um, engaging volunteers online. Let's try that because there's been you know millions of people sort of put through the the early beta testing ring of, of how this stuff works, right? I still think, though, that like nonprofits are going to have a really hard time adopting some of this stuff in the next couple of years because... Uh, although there's some good models out there, at the end of the day, a lot of this is about, you know, giving control over to your supporters. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, fundamentally very difficult for us to do. We want to protect the organization above all else, right? And the stuff that Obama and through Lester Green McCain were doing was really about putting control into the hands of other people. So you see, like, a lot of user-generated videos on the McCain site. And then, like, for those of us who are iPhone-enabled, <laughs> uh, unlike iPhone challenge like the rest of us <laughs> right, right. Um, you know and, and downloaded the Obama iPhone app I mean how crazy is it that the Obama campaign was basically saying do phone banking for us from your iPhone we don't, we're not even going to give you a script right just call your friends and tell them to vote for vote for Obama like what kind of nonprofit can you imagine telling their supporters to just call up other people with no set message yeah it's a great point I mean it, it, yeah you know, it's funny though. It's you'd think it'd be the opposite though with with a nonprofit. I mean, you talk about them being sort of message, you know, tightening their message and keeping control of it. Who keeps tighter control of their message than a political campaign? I was campaign? just going to say that. Who has more to lose? So hopefully, this yeah. case study will help them feel more confidence that hey, right. you know, if you can get away with it and become president, you could probably get away with it and you know, feed, raise money. feed children. People are always worried about which is the loss of control. Right. And I know we've all talked about. The only control you have is the illusion of control. You know? <laughs> what if somebody says something bad about us? What if someone posts an image, posts a story that we don't like? Well, I could do that anyhow, right? I could start a blog tomorrow that's the anti 
fill in the blank nonprofit name and you know raise a bunch of fud about the things in which you're doing. So I think it's culturally something that people are beginning to deal with. But I think if you see what the positive results can be, but certainly there's, there's always going to be people who resist this. Okay, great. Um, I just think that's going to be the big challenge, getting people over that mental hurdle of, of letting go. It's not the technology. That's not the hard part, right? It, it's all the, it's all the um, psychology around it. I think we all need technology therapy. Yeah. yeah. And quickly, because there's going to be, you know, speaking of therapy, there's going to be a lot of people that have a, a hangover and want to be involved in something. And if you can snatch them up now and build an affinity with them and give them that outlet, they're going to need that therapy too. Yeah. Well, I was reading a study that was saying that um, of Americans who use social net or social media sites, they actually over 60% feel better when they can connect with the brand or company that they like on these sites and that they feel better served and, like, you know, closer to them. And, you know, it all makes sense to us because we're using the tools. But if we can just really convince people, I mean, it's hard even in in my organization to kind of say, but I think they're finally getting it. And I think, you know, it is hard to give up control, but times are changing and you've got to put some faith in your staff and put some faith in your message and just kind of go. Um, Did you guys happen to see the Yes We Carve site? For Halloween. <laughs> no, how cute. It's amazing. Like the Obama campaign had people carving pumpkins with Obama's like silhouette and face. And you should definitely check out the site. Um, you know, they had such a strong brand that I felt, you know, you would see even just a hint of it. And you knew exactly what you were doing and who you were supporting. And you should definitely check out Yes We Carve. <laughs> <laughs> Holly, you brought up really quickly the iPhone. And just maybe just think about uh, just SMS in general. And then... Of course, the amazing stunt of uh, announcing its VP by a a text messaging. Was that something that was really sort of valuable to his campaign, or was it just a stunt to get those numbers? Like, what was sort of the big gain for him there, other than awesome publicity? (laughs) Uh, Awesome publicity never hurts, right? Yeah, sure. Right. There's two things. I mean, I think it, it was a sense to some degree to get the numbers, right? right? To, 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 uh, an experiment to see what they, they could do. And I think that but what it does, right, is it creates this sort of in-crowd feeling that is really central to mobilizing people to do things for you, right? Like the more in they feel that they are, the more they're going to do for your organization. So I think it helps create that with a whole set of folks. And, yeah, they can do a lot with those mobile numbers in the future. I think, you know, in just another couple of years, you know, there will be a lot more more smartphone out there that they can exploit with those numbers. You know, I am dying to see what he does. I mean, it was amazing to watch the campaign stuff. I'm dying to see what he does with that list and all these, all this contact information as president and how he uses his constituency to push his agenda forward while he's in the White House and engages in that. Yeah, I read the number today. It was 2.9 million people that were, that were part of that VP announcement. So that's, that's a lot of phone numbers. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if it's part of that. It reminds me of Twitter a little bit, too, where you're getting a text message. And, and when you're following someone that's semi-famous on Twitter, it's like the closest you can get to them. You know, in a, in a public arena, like, you know, you're not really going to be able to interact with them on Facebook or via email or a phone call. And I just wonder if that goes back to what we've been talking about this whole show is that you get this perceived sense of closeness with yes. which the candidate in this case, but it with a nonprofit in another case. And, and I know you, you've both done a little bit of that in your realm. I know a, a lot of people associate definitely your name with your organizations. And uh, it sort of makes people, I, I know it does in my case, feel closer to your group. So I think that's definitely a big lesson that nonprofits can learn from all of them. Yeah, I feel like I had that extra closeness with Obama in a certain way. But really where that came into play for me over the course of the election is that um, I developed, I was traveling a lot in the last eight weeks. And so when I'm in hotels, I watch CNN. 
which means that I developed an extreme crush on David Gergen. <laughs> Not Anderson Cooper? Come on. Not Anderson Cooper, <laughs> David Gergen. And I found out he had a Facebook group and that he actually would write on his wall and respond to people. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I joined a Facebook group. You know, like, I feel like I'm one step away from actually getting to meet the guy, which is, at this point, ridiculously exciting to me. <laughs> Really nerdy, but true. But true. <laughs> One other thing that I thought was really interesting was this idea of the open source presidency. I just love that metaphor for what this is all about. Tell us about it. You know, just this idea that um, just like open source software, uh, which is, you know, uh, developed by small contributions from many people, uh, that the Obama platform and uh, campaign, which is obviously very controlled to the yeah, office. The messaging that they put out was always on point, mm-hmm. right? They were very controlled. But um, all of the folks and all of their supporters could give $5 but could also share via Twitter, via, uh, you know, text message on the website through all these videos by just carving a pumpkin, you know, could share their ideals for what a lot of presidency would mean. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just like open source software, it was built on the ideas and contributions of, you know, many, many people. And and that's what I think is so really powerful and entrancing about all of that. Well, I mean, I think the open source model is something that can be used in the real world. But I think that, you know, a partner that's responsive, just like Obama was a figurehead that was responsive to the voice of many, you know, open source is one way to accomplish it. Another way is to let customer suggestions and feedback drive development. So hopefully... You know, and I think the challenge is that a lot of people who are at the top feel like, well, if I open the doors up to hearing from all these people on all these ways, I'm going to have to respond to all of it. And you obviously have to do your best to respond to, respond to folks. But at the same time, I think it does make people feel better just to know that they could make that connection with you, right? That they can follow you on Twitter and do it, you know, at Barack Obama. Like, you'll actually hear them, right? It just makes them feel better. It's sort of the... Um the catharsis of venting socially about how you feel about an issue. And it's not that every email has to get a reply and things like that. Just some people want to voice their comments. They want to have their sort of their ideas or their opinion about something heard as a part of the overall dialogue. I think people no no longer expect every comment gets a reply, every email gets a response. I don't think the world works that way, and I think people are more accepting of that. I also think, though, as the dialogue flattens out, like you said, maybe a future topic might be what's the nonprofit's role in that? What is sort of the organizer of many people with a similar voice? You know, what happens going forward versus all those people having their own voice to speak directly maybe to the top or the side or whatever? Yeah, I think think there are big changes in the sector overall as we figure out. So if everyone can talk directly now Mm -hmm. to... A government to the government. What's our role there in aggregating those voices? It's going to be us messaging Barack Obama on Facebook when we want to see the legislation get passed or something. Right? How many tweets did <laughs> well, he get? <laughs> it's interesting because, like, he's not dropping off his social media side of things either. When he, I mean, if you guys have been to change.gov, mm-hmm. it's kind of like carrying over the social media side of things, and you still. Like, you feel like you've won if you voted for him, or you feel like you're still part of it and, and his victory. It's how can nonprofits take that and kind of learn from it? The, and the uh, GOP is doing the same thing. There's Republicans for Reason as well. So, Brennan, you mentioned the Dean campaign in 2004. I was trying to remember back what was going on with this stuff. That was it, right? It was just, wasn't it him? And he yeah, kinda, I mean, email the, marketing and, mm-hmm. and acquisition. Was nothing of, happening in 2000? Not, I don't know. Yeah, no, in 2000. 
I will tell you that I remember I lived in D.C. in 2000 during the election, and it was very, the, the, I don't know if Danielle or anyone else will agree with this, but the impression was that the Republicans did a much better job at using online tools, which at that point was, you know, web. It was really, it was email in 2000, but they, they actually, they distributed, they went around to every congressional, Republican congressional member and handed them a giant fat binder about the future of technology in organizing and got, and we're trying to get them all on the same bus for that 2000 election. And there was definitely a, a clear feeling that they won that part of the battle. And McCain had early on, I think it might have been in the 2000 election, had done online uh, advertising banners. So mm-hmm. even they were sort of hip to all this, but but it changes. I think one thing that, that obviously helped was the Obama campaign had one of the co-founders of Facebook involved with the campaign, mm-hmm. and they also had some more veterans working with them. So there is something to be said for you know, having people who have carved out a niche in, in using social media and having those experts helping you guide an overall strategy what you're trying to get a get accomplished and I'm sure that that, that helped. So some advice for nonprofits would be to look towards people like that to get on your board or to be your volunteers or even to hire people out of into your organization that have those skills. Yeah, just enlist ex- experts. You know, Joe, I think it was Joe Rospars was his new media director and he worked on the Dean campaign, right? So he'd seen a full cycle of how these things worked out and, and it, I think it was Chris Hughes who was one of the Facebook co-founders who helped develop the whole MyBarackObama.com site. So again, Enlisting experts from the outside. I mean, we always tell nonprofits there are savvy people in your organization. They may just not work at the organization. Um, there's a whole new opportunity for people to volunteer in new ways that may be online volunteers. It may not be people who show up at an event and do things. It may be they maintain your YouTube channel. They post podcasts. They put photos up. They they do your Facebook profile. They can volunteer in different ways. Yeah, that's a great thing to look at. It actually. To take parts of your organization, actually have your audience actually take on those roles for you. I mean, I read something today, and people are sort of looking at what uh, Barack Obama is going to do with Change.gov, and actually, if that can replace some of the government functionality that's out there through technology and just distributed work. Interesting metaphor for nonprofits who are looking to cut costs. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things I always tell folks when I'm talking to them about social media is if they don't know where to get started, if they're really open to it, they just don't know what to do. You know, get a young person in. I can't imagine. I mean, how, how many, if you work next to a college campus, how many, you know, 22-year-olds would just die to have the chance to be your social media intern, right. mm-hmm. you know, and spend all their time on Facebook right, for you? Yeah. Definitely. Can't be that hard to recruit for those positions. <laughs> well, this has all been really good stuff. I think uh, you know, nonprofits can take away some some good lessons from these campaigns and uh, some just amazing use of, of social media. I was definitely impressed uh, just to watch it go down. And I know I sat on my couch on election night with my laptop on my lap and my iPhone on the couch watching the TV. So I think this stuff is uh, going to be great to see what happens. So all right, let's go go around the room real quick and. Uh, Give some shout-outs, or if you got anything you'd like to plug or anything you'd like to mention. <laughs> I'll start with Allison. Uh, you look edgy, and you got something to say. I am. I'm excited. Um, as everyone knows, the Black Bug Conference for Nonprofits is next week, and it's going to be the biggest and best ever, as it is every year. But really, it's um, we're pulling out all the stops and a uh, larger crowd okay. than ever before. Okay, so Opened up whole new sections of the convention center. But one of the neat things we're getting to do is having some kind of VIP areas for our Internet Solutions customers. And, of course, it's a way to thank them for, you know, investing in our 
suite of solutions, but really um, we've gotten a lot of feedback that they want a chance to interact and network with each other. And so by kind of allowing them to have some special areas off to the side, that's going to give them the opportunity to say, hey, you're like me and you have stuff too. (laughs) And so they can chat. So anybody that um, has Net Community or Katera Sphere is hosted on our on-demand products will be getting a little coupon in their badge and they'll get a special bracelet and they'll get to come to some special stuff. So be on the lookout for that if you are one of those types listening to us today. And come to my session Wednesday afternoon. What is it? I'm, I'm the grand finale. Yeah, yeah oh. email marketing. Nice. All right, speaking of sessions, Steve, you're presenting, what, 42 sessions? <laughs> no, I have, <laughs> I, have, I have carved it down this year, okay. and I'm sharing the knowledge. So there's plenty of people who are presenting this year, but I'm only doing two sessions this year. So I'm uh, talking about um, social media and demystifying it and trying to explain to people how to use it and what it really all means. And then um, we're doing some things specifically on, on the net community front um, for our customers. But I'm just going to spend a bunch of time talking to customers and sitting in everyone else's sessions and tweeting and blogging and yep. and all that, that fun stuff. Going to all the parties. Woo-hoo. Yeah, the uh, all the after parties. <laughs> Looking forward to the Tuesday night events at the uh, family. Right, be a, kid again. be a kid again. That'll be fun. As long as there's a Galaga machine there, I, I'm good. <laughs> Like Don't get, you have one of those at home? You have to store. actually go to the... Uh, I, no, I know where they all are in town now. So there's one at uh, Bricks. There's one at Giuseppe's. They're, they're working on the high I should bring program. Ranger Ricks to that. Oh, oh yeah. That would be perfect. That would be perfect. Yeah, speaking of uh, the conference, Danielle, you're going to actually be speaking with me. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, I guess right now at NWF, the only thing we're really working to push people to is um, the EPA has kind of posed a question for public comment, and it's do greenhouse gases cause global warm or that cause global warming endanger public health and we just are telling our activists to say yes so if you go to nwf.org you'll see it holly what do you guys have going on we are medias is that wrapping up uh, we're wrapping up the first phase yeah so um well first i just want to say uh welcome to to steve uh to the intern board and thanks for joining us Congratulations, steve. Yeah, i appreciate it I'm looking forward to working with the uh, holly and the rest of the um the N10 folks, um, really great organization, and hopefully I can um, contribute as best I can. I totally and- have plans to keep you busy already. <laughs> Good, great. Um, but besides that right now, uh, we're working on our IT staffing survey, uh, trying to help figure out uh, what folks are paying their IT staff and what things that they're they're doing in-house versus uh, outsourcing. Good questions like that. So you can go take a look and see how much more you should demand from your boss next year. <laughs> um, you can go to n10.org. It's the second blog post on the homepage called How Much Are You Paying Your IT Staff? Please complete the survey and we'll get some results out early next year. Awesome. Sounds good. Yeah, that's a great service. Yeah. All right. Any last? I, I heard a rumor about the N10 book, Holly. Do you care Ooh. to confirm or deny that? Juicy rumor. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm working on a blog post about that right now. Um, yes, scoop, we have scoop. a book coming out. Yeah, we have a book coming out in March called um, Managing Technology to Meet Your Mission. Uh, it, it is uh, written for executive directors and leaders at nonprofits who are trying to figure out you know, hey, I know nothing about technology, but all of a sudden I'm supposed to manage all these things. Uh, so uh, it's all N10 member written, uh, and it's coming out in March, and you'll be able to pre-order a copy uh, with your NCC registration at a very steep discount. So get ready to uh, get ready to register for the Nonprofit Technology Conference on December 1st and order your book then. Awesome. 
Very cool. Exciting. All right. Uh, any last words of wisdom from this amazing panel? <laughs> All right. Well, I will be saying, I guess, everyone at the event on Sunday, except for uh, except Holly. Holly. Yeah, well, you're going to have to make it out. Sorry. One of these things, uh, for sure. Yeah. Next year. Yeah. Well, that does it for this episode of the podcast. I'd like to thank our guests, Steve McLaughlin, Allison Van Deest, Danielle Brigida, and Holly Ross. You can keep up with the podcast and other webby things by following me on Twitter at twitter.com slash chatnorman or by checking out my blog at blackbaud.com slash webby things. If you have any feedback, we'd like to hear about it. For sure, send us an email at thebodcast at blackbaud.com. We'll be back in two weeks with another episode. So until then, I'm Chad Norman, and thanks for listening to the podcast. Sorry. taking pictures. Good was, thing you guys aren't here. I was tweeting. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, one 2.0 medium at a time. Sorry. I'm in agreement. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, uh huh. <laughs> no, no. I know. <laughs> <laughs>